I, I would say to anyone, if you're on the fence or thinking about it, the chances are you're probably drinking too much because you're thinking about it. Without a shadow of a doubt, I can go on here all day long and say, you're going to feel better, you're going to do this, you're going to achieve more. And I nearly missed the chance because I thought at 52, what is the point? Welcome to Series 2 of the One Year No Beer Podcast. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, then hit that button so you don't miss another episode. Just before we get started with today's interview, I just want to quickly mention one thing that Jen and I do every day. We were so lucky to come across this brand listening to podcasts just like this. And we are so proud to be sponsored by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is literally one scoop of this all-round nutritional insurance, which is made up of no less than 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfoods, scientifically researched and blended together to support and improve energy recovery, immunity, and digestion. It's so easy. You just get down in the morning, plop open that glass, pour in your athletic greens and pow, you are doing what you need in one scoop. If you want to join us, simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash O-Y-N-B and join the health experts, athletes and health conscious go-getters around the world who are making a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash O-Y-N-B. Now don't forget the forward slash O-Y-N-B because this will entitle you to the special deal Athletic Greens have given out to our listeners. A year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs will take with you on the go. Once again, athleticgreens.com. Don't forget, O-Y-N-B. Now let's get started with the podcast. All right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of the new OYMB podcast, season two or 2.0, as we like to call it. And this season, as you know, we're focusing entirely on our incredible members who have completely transformed their lives. Um, so the this season, we've named Stories of Transformation, and we're going to be bringing some of the most prolific and most inspiring members that we have. And uh, who knows, maybe you will be on this podcast one day as well. So today I've got a very, very dear member here with me. His name is Andy Garwood, and he has done an incredible 1,382 days alcohol-free. But not only that, he has done some pretty ballsy things during his journey here. And um, among them, he recently went up Kilimanjaro. And so he's going to tell you all about it. It's better from the source than me. So without further ado, I introduce you. Andy Garwood. Welcome, Andy. Hi, Jen. How are you? <laughs> I am very good. I'm very excited to speak to you today. Last time we spoke, we had a little uh, Facebook Live in One Year No Beer where we spoke to you as you were about to go out 
um, Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to have a little debrief. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Yeah, all good. It's been um, a bit funny getting back to normal, quite life-changing going there, but so has life been in the last three and a half years. So, yeah, it's all been life-changing continuously. Yeah. I mean, like we mentioned, 1,382 days alcohol-free. I mean, that's a good stretch, and no doubt is that very inspirational, the people who might be struggling in the beginning. So today um, I'm going to let you do most of the talking because I want you to, as a member, as someone who has gone through this incredible journey yourself, um, how you can help inspire other people. You know, everyone starts at day one, right, um, and kind of go through it. So tell, tell us a little bit um about yourself and, you know, a little background, who you are and how this really started for you, why you chose to go on this journey and what it's done for you. Um, well, as you just said, I'm coming up to four years in May. Um, really, I'm a dad of four boys, um, two older boys, 29 and 25, two younger boys who are 13 and nine. Um, and... I'm 56 years old and uh, I've drunk all my life really from school age like most people who start dabbling then um, but carried on really I was a seven day a week seven day a week drinker um, for the last 25 years at least you know if not 35 um, and yeah I, I had I never decided to give up um, I always thought, you know, I always dodged the liver tests at the doctors. I always put everything down to anything apart from drink. And um, I just woke up on a Monday. Um, I'd had um, I'd had a big ankle operation about four or five weeks before. And uh, I shouldn't have been going out on my ankle. And I went out on a Thursday to watch football, put my Beckham boot on, got drunk. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, put my Beckham boot back on, went over to football, can't remember coming home. Woke up on the Monday, um, looked in the mirror. I was literally reaching over the sink. Uh, my foot was throbbing like this. I looked down and thought I shouldn't be doing this. And I, do you know what I thought? Looked at my boys in bed who was, um, <clears throat> they was 10 and 6 at the time then. And I just thought, do you know what? They deserve better than this. I was 52 and I thought they deserve better. And they say your phone listens to you. It can't listen to what you're thinking in your head. But I, I literally, an hour later, put my Facebook on and this one year no beer group come up. And I thought, you know what, this could be it. And I don't know how. I've never seen it before. Honestly, it just, what's this, 28 days, 90 days, 365. And um, I, although I said I drank continuously for 30 years plus. Um, I did do a few dry Januaries, purely on willpower, counting day one to 30 and then go and get smashed again on, a, you know, February the 1st. So I thought, you know what, I need 90 days off this. I need to reevaluate everything and I hadn't told anyone, I hadn't planned it. I just felt like shit, really. And um, I signed up for 90 days and you know what, um... It's quite an awful thing to say, really, but it's good for the group, is that I've done it quite easily. I had one one or two sweaty nights on Monday or the Tuesday, and I never, I'm really one of the lucky ones. I've not had a blip. I've just done it. And um, 
followed the daily emails, um, didn't get involved with a group until I was full of anxiety. You know, I, I just looked at a few posts and uh, followed the daily emails. And it's, it's, is it the wrong thing to say? I don't know. But I found it easy. Um, mm. Really unbelievable. So that was it. It was a hard first week, though, because of certain events happening. But, you know, there's always a time to put it off. And I just thought, this is it. I've got to do it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as you say, I mean, it is the right thing to say because it was easy for you. But a lot of the times, you know, it all comes down to the mindset. You were determined. You had enough. You found your why with the boys wanting to give them, you know, the best dad that they deserve. And you kind of had made your mind up. And a lot of the times when you create that mindset shift immediately, if you have a strong mindset, it doesn't mean you're better or worse than anyone else. It's just everyone's different because not everyone struggles, but you know, everyone ha- needs to go through their own personal journey, right? So uh, you were just set on this. So tell us a little bit on your background. You you come from, um, you know, you say you like football. So I imagine you'd be at the, at the, st- at watching footballs, um, Saturday, Sunday, the weekends, and you know, that would be a boozy environment and, you know, what kind of work environment were you in and how do you think that affected you just to, you know, just to see where, where it's all come from because everyone to come to us don't necessarily have a problem, but it makes them feel really yucky or unhealthy or maybe a bit worn run down, like you say, but you know, what kind of background did you come from? Um, well, I worked for uh, a multinational from leaving school for 20 years, which didn't really involve drinking at work. But in the year 2000, I started my own limited building company. Um, a lot of the a, a lot of the marketing side, if you like, but it was getting out with people, drinking, playing golf. Uh, I watched my um, football team in London. I've got older boys, as you know, who I've watched playing football since I was five for 25 years. I'm still watching football now with my nine-year-old and my 13-year-old, so I'm always watching football. And it was one of those things always after the game, um, just all the time. Mm. I mean, I, I played squash quite a bit, so I always told myself this narrative that, oh, I'm not that bad, I can play squash two or three times a week. Not for the fact I was 17 stone, I weren't doing my joints any good and we'd have 10 pints afterwards, you know, it was one of those things. Mm. And honestly, just pressed that button and signed up and I literally thought, what am I going to do? Because that week, um, <laughs> in, the, in the UK that week, on the Saturday, we had a big party to go to. It was, it was a royal wedding party, um, big royal wedding, all the, all the mums and... Weiss was going early in the day dressed up and then in the evening was the FA Cup final. All the dads was meeting in the high street, going down to this house for a party and I was honestly told, don't give up this week, what are you doing? Um, mm. Put it off till next week. No, I'm going to do it. Other people said, don't, you know, someone, it was that bad, someone said to me, don't bother coming if you're not going to drink. You know, what am I? I'm not the life and soul <laughs> of the party at all. <laughs> but that's the type of thing I got. And um, I said, you know, there's, there's always going to be something. There's always going to be a wedding, a funeral, a birthday. Mm. And it was just in my head, like you say, that mindset changed. I just had this epiphany, I've got to stop because I'm, you know, I'm going to kill myself. And I think mm. now looking back, probably the reason I didn't all them years, because I, I even question the only question I had in, in my mind was, 
is it too late? I'm 52. I've drunk all my life. What's the point? My liver's fucked, if you like. What, what's the point mm. of giving up? Um, mm. It's too late in life, but as you're here, you know, there's so much more to life and, you know, what I've done since. Um, so probably if I had a little inkling of doubt, it was always, why bother? You know, you're too old. Yeah. Carry on. You know, you've done the damage. But, yeah, that was it, really. It's just an epiphany and I've never looked back. Amazing. Isn't it funny how, I mean, we come to a certain age and you hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, I'm getting old. I'm too old for this or I can't do this. I've missed my turn. I've missed my chance to do amazing things. And uh, I don't know why that is. It must be some form of conditioning, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's not true at all. I started doing my hardest bit of athletics in my 40s, right? And and yourself, you, I, you know, you ran your first triathlon when you were, what, 53? Yeah. Amazing crushed absolutely crushed it and and so i don't know why people have isn't it funny though people go like no i'm too old can't do that they just automatically have that in their mind but you're still can can do do amazing things for yourself and inspire others you know you inspire your boys right to go and do incredible things yeah well that was it as you said um as we went on i got towards 90 days and um you know, a lot of other things happened between them. But about 80 days, I decided, you know, I was on an all-inclusive holiday. Um, gone through all the triggers of airports, holidays, and I was having the best holiday ever. And I thought, this is not going to stop at 90 days. You know, I've got to carry this on. Went mm. on to upgrade to 365. And it uh, one of the emails was to book something completely out of your comfort zone. Now, I swim like a lead balloon. Like, still got arm <laughs> You know, still jumping in with my other ring on at 53. And uh, so I said, you know, I'm going to do a triathlon. And um, that's what I did. Um, on about 360 days, I did a triathlon. And um, my boys come and supported me. Um, as, as, as I said, I was 7-11 then. And uh, I see all the proper triathletes with a 10,000 pound bikes and you know I was the first Wally in the room for one you know one of the starters and they see the transition of coming out and jumping on your bike soaking wet it was four degrees in the morning in England jumping on in a tri-suit coming back on your bike an hour later jumping off trying to run and um you know it must have inspired them because the following year they'd done their first kids triathlon so 12 and you know seven and them type of things and as you know we did spartan races we met you in scotland we went straight and did you know with a group i met through one you know a mastermind group we went straight in we didn't do a sprint or a super we went straight in and done a spartan beast in scotland the boys see the videos of that so they was back in Windsor the following year doing spartan races and the children are so although i didn't initially do it to inspire my children um it was for myself um but to help other you know to help my children but to see them do that you know their minds are like sponges you get to this middle age and you know they they watch every single thing you do and um they want to be part of it and they still do now i mean obviously climbing killing man all these things they're so without me push i don't push anything onto them they decided that we want to do one you know so we went to a family Family weekend the following year to Henley. I did the adults Henley triathlon. The boys done their children's run, the first one. Unfortunately, a few have been cancelled since COVID. They did the they did the Spartan races in Windsor. Um, 
And none of that would have happened without me stopping drinking. Amazing, isn't it? I think you said something so important that which I realized in personal growth, and that is, you know, always within the alcohol free journey, we always talk about the why, figuring out what your why is. And a lot of people come and they say, well, I want to be a better dad, I want to be a better mom, a better spouse, a better person, you know, and all these reasons. But first and foremost, uh, you know, yes, it's great to have those reasons, but you really need to do it for yourself, right? That's when it really changed. Because I, I felt that for myself. I tried changing things in my life, and but I was doing it to make prove everyone that I was a good mom and good wife and all that. But it, everything changed for me when I did, realized that I wanted to do it for me also. Like, I have to do this for me, right? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you agree that that is so important? Oh, absolutely. I mean, with everything... Um... I mean, I've, I've gone to do a lot of other things since, but if you don't do it for yourself, you're you've got to own it yourself and do it for yourself. And the other things, although only mine are secondary, they are secondary because if you don't do it for yourself, you see people they want to run a marathon, but really they want to do it because they want to tell everyone else they've done the London marathon. Or you right. know, if you do it like that, how many people run the London marathon and then never run again? They just do it. Oh, I just ticked it off. It, it's it's doing it sometimes, these things, to tell everyone else they've done it. Oh, I've run a sub this, or, you know, I've done this. And it, it's not just for their self. It's to tell other people they've done something. And you've got to do it for yourself, I think, foremost. I mean, I know deep down, I, as I said right at the beginning, I used to dodge the blood test for the liver. I mean, I walked into the doctors and I think it flashed up, hypochondriac every time I went in there. And then I must, oh, we've got him again. I've got um, red marks on my legs. I've got this, I've got this. All these things. Oh, yeah, you've got psoriasis. You've got a rub cream on. You've got all these. My blood pressure was on the limit. My cholesterol was on the limit. As you know, I was four stone heavy. All these things. Mm. You tell yourself this narrative. It's everything apart from drink. Stop drinking. Mm. All these things went. This supposedly mm. psoriasis I had. Fuck, it wasn't psoriasis. It was because I drank too much. The blood pressure comes mm. down. The cholesterol comes down. My standing heartbeat. I used to, before I went on a bike um, or, or squash, my heartbeat would be 80, 80 beats per minute. That was beating mm. to keep me alive. Now it's mm. 50 sitting here. It's, you know, I go to bed, it's 45 all night. My heart was beating 30 times a minute faster just to keep me alive because I was drinking. And, mm. you know, you tell yourself all these things, but really and truly everything in my life come down to drinking too much, really. Mm. And you said something interesting before. You said, you know, you were playing squash three times a week, so you thought you were being fit and healthy and, you know, you then you'd go out and celebrate with some pints. And I think there's a misconception. I think a lot of people think that, you know, as long as they work out a lot, they can drink more and they'll be fine. But it's, you might feel healthier, so your body might be able to take more, but it's still doing the damage, right? Mm. Oh, more so. I mean, um, everyone probably knew our group. And, you know, it was the boys at the bar. We didn't look any good running, you know, some of us was good when they was younger, played a really good standard, but it was the fat boys at the bar. We we drunk miles too much. We, you know, I probably looked horrendous running around a squash court, which I, I didn't really run around there. I just told myself I did, but now I wouldn't be able <laughs> to do that. And, um, yeah, like you say, it's just, uh, it's just going back to your question, 
people say, oh, yeah, I've done a Spartan race, but, yeah, but, you know, we can have a beer at the end. I, I had twenty, I had 10 pints last night before I'd done the beast, and I'd done it in, you know, three hours. But let me ask you this. Mm. What if you didn't have 10 pints last night? You might have been on the podium, so don't fucking tell right. me that it's all right to drink. They're not getting to their full potential. I've had people say to me, mm. oh, yeah, I, I still drink. Uh, I, I had a skinful before I'd done the London Marathon. I'd done it in two hours, 50. What a waste. If you could do that, having mm. a skinful the night before, imagine what you would have run if you trained properly. It's just a waste of this short, precious life, isn't it? It's, it's you know, you're not, mm. you're not getting to your full potential. Now you might be okay with it. You're not doing it to your best. It's it's a bit hard to put over to people, but that you know that's the difference. Mm. So you know you started, you signed up, but you did the nineteen. You upgraded to the three six five, and you did a mastermind with one you know beer, um, and created an incredible. You know you got a tight group there from your ma- mastermind, don't you? Tell us a little bit about that group. Yes, yeah, so um, we did the two thousand and eighteen. I think it was about November mastermind group, and. Um, it finished before the Christmas and we kept it going on the regular Tuesday Zoom slot and uh, May the following year, um, we climbed Snowden together. Um, we had a lady in Mallorca, someone in France, um, you know, Ireland. We met, we climbed Snowden and we still meet um, now every Tuesday more so, we'd still meet weekly, but we have the first Tuesday of every month is a real check-in Tuesday. So, because we've been meeting for so long that, um, mm. you know, we all try and get there on the first Tuesday of every month. Um, mm. We went, as I say, we went to Scotland after we'd done the Snowden. We went to Scotland and done a beast. We then went to Mallorca, to Kay, who lives out there, and we'd done the Mallorca and Spartan. We'd done one on the Saturday, one on the Sunday, and... We're still a close-knit group. It, it, it's gone a bit downhill the last two years with the meets because of the world travel sure, situation. I think we're all going to Ireland in June. It's quite safe now for everyone to say, well, we can book flights and um, go mm-hmm. to Ireland. And, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's friends for life. And like I said, mm. sitting there three and a half years ago, what am I going to do in my life? I can't drink. It's like you've not got enough hours yeah. in the day. Hmm. I mean, we, we've just finished another round of Mastermind now. And um, just to begin with, I mean, we still uh, talk about you guys in there because you, you're such a good example. But we said to, the, to them in the, on the first call, we said, listen, this is going to be an incredibly valuable three weeks for you. But the biggest value you, you get out of this also is the friendship and the camaraderie that you'll create amongst the group. And so we've just wrapped up now. And it's just the same as you guys. They've created these, these side groups where, they, you know, they talk about and they meet up. And, and it's that enormous support, especially if you're looking to create something in your life, you know it's all it's so important to find your peers like the people who can just support you and keep you right and um you know encourage you right so in in the mastermind and also throughout the you when you know their communities we always talk about the incredible community feeling in there so and we say it but how about you as a member not just a member but like a very well invested member and um you've done all of it what would you say was what is the most powerful thing that you feel is about one year no beer? You know, have it, since you've gone through the whole thing, what 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 is the value in it for you that that you feel is makes it so successful? 
Um, well, I don't know how you've created it, but it's the community, it's the members, it's the people. Um, it's just such an amazing, non-judgmental. I mean, we've got everyone in there um, from really heavy drinkers who are struggling health-wise to people who are just grey area drinkers and it's so non-judgmental. It's a safe, confidential space. Um, I mean, as I said, I didn't, I didn't interact for the first oh, probably few months. I mean, I just stood in the background mm. and read the posts um, I was lucky enough, but I did find myself into it. I mean, I was about six, eight weeks in, and we had the first London London Big Bang meetup with Rory mm. and everyone. And I got, I went to that, and um, it was a bit razzmatazz. I was like, oh no, I'm still full of anxiety here, and I was hiding behind the table, and I was throwing this big furry microphone about. <laughs> if it landed with me, I would have left. Honestly. Um, and then, you know, there's people, there's people there now that I met who come and spoke to me, like Anne Gash is one. I remember from this day, I remember a lot of people, mm. but Anne is one, you know, I've really followed her journey with her. And um, I was absolutely full of anxiety and still, you know, but I threw myself into it and just went. And then seven, six months later, they had another one because it was so successful in Manchester. Now, I turned up there, the cloud had lifted. I've done my 90 days in sort of August time. I now turned up in September. I'd already lost probably in six months, one and a half, two stone, easily. Um, Rory now, and he said, right, we're going to get you up on the stage. I was like, no, I'm not getting on the stage. Yeah. This was, and, but I went up on the stage. And to think of that transformation in less than six months, I've gone from hiding actually going on the stage yeah. and talking was amazing. And it's because of the people, It, you know, Sharon Hartley was there, one of the first people I sat next to. She was where I was back in London. Didn't want to talk mm. to anyone. And all these people we've, we've grown with and see them completely change their lives. Um, it's just mm. amazing, absolutely amazing. You're quite, I mean, you're putting yourself in a quite a vulnerable spot, especially, you know, with this open group of people, you know, it's a very close and safe environment because it's only members, but, but essentially you're just like putting yourself out there. So I guess that could be very, I can totally see how that's really scary at first, but it's amazing how, you know, a couple of months later, when we, when we start feeling, you know, something opening in us, right. We get that clarity and going like, right, this is, this is, this is working for me, right. This is, this is doing amazing things for me. And then you kind of want to get more involved, right. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's, you know, now it's about giving back and I still go on there mm. most days if I can and encourage when I've got, it might be sitting in a traffic jam, it might be before I go to bed, it might be any time. And, you know, you can't, even now, just amazed how inspiring people are doing stuff. And mm. if anyone, you know, reaches out for help, it's, there's mm. 50 posts on there, you know, helping someone, mm-hmm. it's just Everyone is just in there for everyone else. It's just an amazing, you know, you, you can't say until you're in it, just immerse yourself in it, follow the emails, do what it says. And sometimes I might get an email one that's, oh, what is the point of doing this? But you'll find as you go through it, it all gels and you realise why you was doing this on day 14 to 21. And when you get to a, 
stage, oh, yeah, that's why we had to do that exercise. And, you know, I didn't get a photo on day one. So my really bad mm. photo, I actually took a photo on day 11, which is still absolutely horrendous, like I'm dead. But, mm. you know, that was one thing I didn't do and I really wish I would have got a day one photo. I was sitting here in this same desk and, you know what, I used to ride under it like this. And <laughs> I, I never had a day off work. I was, yeah. you know, looking back, I was a functioning alcoholic, you know. Um, mm. I never had a day off. I never thought there was a problem. But when you realise how productive you can be, you realise what you was in. And this narrative you was telling yourself, well, you're just normal, you just drink. But it's not. It really isn't. Thanks for joining our podcast. I really hope you're getting a lot from today's episode. So have you taken the OYMB challenge yet? Have you challenged yourself to be the best possible version you can possibly be? By changing just one thing, like your relationship with alcohol, you can change your whole world. Visit us at oneyearnobeer.com forward slash take the challenge and let's start the first steps in living your life better. Yeah, when you, I guess when you step away and you realize you're feeling better, all of a sudden you start prioritizing your health a little bit more and you realize you become more productive, which means you'll have more time for yourself to do fun stuff. Whereas if you're constantly in that bit of a daze or a hangover, you know, you become less productive. So your days are filled with a lot of nothing, right? Mm, yeah, because they are. Yeah, I mean, every, looking back, everything revolved around when you're going to have your next pint, really. Um, mm. Kids football, right, where should we stop for Sunday lunch on the way? It wasn't about having Sunday lunch. It was about having your no. first pint, and then you can write off the Sunday. You know, now mm. it's silly things like we bought a couple of kayaks and Sunday afternoons. We do such different things, which I'm not saying the children was unhappy, but they'd be playing football in the pub garden with other kids, but such... A different way of life now um and doing different things like we say never mm. would have done a trifle never would have done a spartan kite all these things would have been just out the window telling myself yeah this is normal this is just what normal mm. people do um and you know i can say some really weird things to some people but we get a taxi home from the um pub on a sunday afternoon leave the car there and I'd see mm. someone running down the road at five in the afternoon or six o'clock on a Sunday. And I used this is being totally honest and authentic here. I used to think, bloody hell, look, running on running on a Sunday at five o'clock. Oh, I can't have many mates. So, you know, winding at the pub. I honestly told myself this mm. blinkered attitude. Mm. What's he doing running on a Sunday afternoon? But you've realised <laughs> you're not. You know, yeah. myself this narrative. I'm normal. I wasn't the normal one. You know? Right. But you're doing everything to justify, just like yeah. you did at the doctor, sorry, the justifications. Ah, what a weirdo. <laughs> exactly. You just justified everything to drink. Mm. You, you, mm. It's, it's unreal. When I look back. So would you, I think, would you say that, sorry to interrupt it, but would you say, I mean, you know, the justification, because we know, like, we, we're very smart people, but we're also, like, we sabotage ourselves. So would you say that? All that justification is because we know that this is not good. This is not good for our health. It's making us feel terrible. We know we need to change. But change is so hard, right? So we justify it in any way we can to to just make it okay. Yeah, you just you do. You just tell yourself the same thing. On a Monday, sitting here, I tell myself, well, I must be all right. I've not had a day off work. I'm here again. But if you're here doing sod all, you, you're not, are you? So, um yeah, it's just uh, 
to keep telling yourself these same things all over again. Um, probably very small in the back of my mind, you know it's not doing yourself any good, but once again, I told myself this narrative, it's too late to just carry on. So mm. even that, when you know it's not doing any good, you tell yourself, but what's the point? You might as well carry on. You're not doing any harm. You've messed yourself up anyway, so carry it on. It's all about justification, mm. I suppose, yeah. Mm. Just that ego trying to keep us stuck and be comfortable and stay in the comfort zone, right? Yeah. But, I mean, you've done amazing things within one, you know, beer, always inspiring. And not only that, but you've gone and trained yourself into a life coach now and you're keen to kind of, help people transform their lives, right? What, can, could you have imagined this, let's say, you know, four, four and a half years ago, five years ago, what you'd be doing now? <laughs> Not in one shadow of a doubt. <laughs> if anyone would have said I would have done, started off doing them things, fitness things, um, climbing, uh, going to Africa um, mm. with other people internationally from around the globe, all reunited for not drinking and becoming a life coach. And I think it's, I say you become your authentic self, which you do. And now, mm. you know, when you when you do your training, you learn about um, your meaning and purpose in life. And I would say I've finally, it's took me nearly four years to find my meaning and purpose. I'm still running a construction company but I know where I want to be on helping other people transform their life. Now, I took alcohol out of my life, changed it massively. Mm. Some people might add something to their life to change it massively, you know, but for me, it's mums and dads and their children. It's such a special thing. And mm. seeing my children and I've, I've pulled people along to one year. I haven't pulled people along. I've had people join one year and they be very close to me. And I've watched the transformation in their families and it's mm. it's not just myself and my children and my wife, it's their wives, their children, their parents as well and I've seen it, it's it's massive, it really is. And yeah, I would have said you was bonkers if you said... Well, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's that beautiful ripple effect, right? You set off this little ripple that turns into the wave and before you know it, it's this massive tidal wave and that is how it works, right? Because you're starting to look good, you're starting to feel good and people are like, what are you doing? Like, you look good and they kind of want a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, massively. And then nothing better than... Yeah, nothing better than seeing people, loved one around you transform the night to feel better as well. So tell us a little bit about your, well, the, the latest adventure of Kilimanjaro, because, I mean, I, I, I am an athlete, but I was super impressed by that. That was, wow. I mean, I just had to look into the stats of stuff, you know, as you were going up there. And I was like, this is incredible what you're doing. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that experience, what that did for you and your mindset? Mm. So um, I had actually seen some people on OYMB do it before, two or three people, and it started to raise questions in my head. So I, I put a put a post out there on OYMB. Anyone fancy doing Kilimanjaro? Got a lot of response because of COVID and everything and other things. I mean, there would have been Australians doing it, but couldn't get out of the country. But anyway, mm. seven of us went off, two ladies from America, either side of the States, 
uh, Colin from Scotland, uh, from uh, Canada. We had Justine from Scotland, Kevin from Manchester, Sandra from Luxembourg, and myself. Um, Colin went the other way around the world, but we most of us met in Amsterdam, flew straight down to, you know, it was the first time we'd met. You know, for six, seven months, we'd met on Zooms. We'd trained on our own, but put our stats mm. on, and we we met. Most of us, I was lucky enough to meet the two ladies from America before in the Manchester Power. We went off and we just, none of us could believe we was doing it. I tell you now, none of us, even <laughs> two weeks before, people were scared about pulling out. and But we was just magnetised to going. It was part of this journey of, you know, giving up alcohol and being together. Um we supported each other 100% all of the way. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life by a chalk. Um, Eight-day trek. We start off in the rainforest with monkeys around the campsite. Um, by day six, you're camping at 15,500 feet. Um, summit night was minus 15. It's all about the altitude. You go through these different ecological zones. You come out of the rainforest after two days and you're through the um, moorland zone. Our weather was quite horrendous. I was digging trenches around the tents. Um, another story, but we inspired other people on that trek who wasn't alcohol-free, I think, as well. But, yeah, it was just we'd be friends forever. The other people we met on the trek as well, um, you just make these lifelong friends and, and just being part of Africa. I mean, Africa, I'd only been to North Africa personally, but going to that part of Africa, Tanzania, I was just, I've come back a different person. It's it's just, and, and, and everyone has said on our group who went already that they just can't get back into work. They feel restless already after coming back for a month. What do I, it, it's, it's unbelievable. It is a life-changing experience. It really is. It's un- it's unreal. It was so, so hard. I mean, setting off at midnight to the summit, a six-hour walk, walking so slow. You stop every hour for two minutes because it's so cold, and it was just ticking off that, you know, walk for an hour. Right, I've done a six, walk for another hour. And you've got a head torch on, you're just seeing in front of you, but the achievement to get to the top, and that is the mm. summit of, you know, excuse the pun, everyone's giving up alcohol. That was, you know, mm. we've only done this through taking one thing out of our life. Um, just what an experience. It was just just mind-blowing, mm. really was. Wow. And you mentioned also that you you created quite a good bond with one of the porters um, helping. Uh, that was helping. I mean, what? I've never gone to up Kilimanjaro, but I've been up Machu Picchu, and we would have these tiny little backpacks, and then they had these porters who carried these gigantic loads of stuff. Was it the same there? Exactly the same. I mean, we had <laughs> we had seven from one year in Obia and seven other people, and there was fifty odd people getting us to the top. I mean, we wow. had about thirty five with us all the time, carrying the tents, the free cook free toilets, the toilet guys, other people up and down the mountain, refreshing supplies every two days. And we all bonded with all of them. I mean, we are, you know, there's a couple of us on the trip. There's one of the guys, his son, we're going to help put him through college so he can become a guide himself. 
They're just amazing oh, wow. people. And to come back from there, I mean, we did other things afterwards. We bolted on a two-day safari, then some of us went to Zanzibar. And, I mean, if you've been to Africa, you know I hadn't. But these people, I mean, you can be out, um, you know, an hour's from anywhere in more or less the desert, I'd say, mm-hmm. and you'll get some children walking down the road with a satchel from the Maasai tribe going to school, and they stop and they wave. And the whole thing about the whole country just blew us all away and um, mm. how happy people can be with nothing and you come back and you see these things. But we, I think we've all come back completely different and there's a couple of us going to support mm. his son getting through. You just want to give back um, a bit like, you know, giving back to one year. No, but it's, it's all the humanitarian side of society of, of, of life really it's just uh, mm. I think you're stuck in your own little capsule when you're drinking and then you just realise everyone's so nice on one year now everyone's so supportive everyone's so nice you notice the niceness in everybody and it's just mm. amazing that's another misconception I think a lot of people feel like oh the, the world's just going wrong people you can't trust people you get like it's not actually true, but if you're stuck in a rut where you just where you're not feeling well yourself, then everything becomes you know feels a threat. So everything mm-hmm. becomes about you and stuff. But once you release that and open up and realize like what you give, you'll get back. It really works that way, doesn't it? Oh, it does. And you, you know, you don't do it to make you feel good about yourself, but you, you realize that. You know, there's just so many lovely people out there. And I think you're just stuck mm. in getting to your next drink. You become a bit selfish, really. And then you realise, hold on, there's a, the world is a nice mm. place, really. Uh, yeah. You know, it really is. And we, we walked with a guy. Um, obviously, I don't know if they're going to listen to this or not. But a um, Spanish guy and his daddy was 23. And his dad was a farmer, quite a well-off farmer in Spain. He owned places all over, up to Andorra. And this guy, Gabriel, he's, he talked to each one of us on each day as we walked, and, oh, you're on this one year in Iberia. He said, I'm doing dry January, because it was January when he was walking. And he's only 23 years old, and he said, this is the second dry January I've done. He said, it doesn't serve me well. He, he was real clever, top-notch guy. He was still at university, but he's also um, – also a head of a big company as well, a CEO of a company at 23. And he said, wow. at the end of this, at the end of the trek, we all went out for dinner when we got back to the hotel and shouted. He said, do you know what? I've spoke to you all sort of individually. He said, I'm not going to stop at 28 days. He said, I'm not, sorry, I'm not stopping at dry January. He said, I'm going to carry this on, you know. Um, knowing what I know, it doesn't oh. serve me well. Talking to all you mm. guys about your story, he said, I think he'd seen his dad drink too much for his life probably and he just looked at us, looked at himself. It's never too young, you know, 23. You haven't got a party in Ibiza till you're 40 and say, you know, now I'm going to stop. It's never going to serve you well. There's so much more in your short, precious life to do. And, yeah, so just just once again, another person on the back of spending some time with us, you know, I'd be – pretty much like to put my money on it. He's not drinking now still. We're coming up to March, and I'm sure if he mm. gets to three months, which he said he would, he probably might not ever drink again. So it's... Yeah. Amazing. So inspirational to other people. And that's this is what... This is the purpose of this, this season. A, we wanted to 
make sure that we celebrate and show you guys, you members who've been really crushing through your challenges, but also just stay behind and help and support and be of service to other members who are just new on this journey. So we wanted to create this, this season to kind of a, as a thank you and show you guys that you are our local heroes per se, because you, you, you do an incredible job and it's best to hear it from you. We can sit and bang on about how great in life transforming it is. But at the end of the day, this, these stories, your stories, that is what counts. The amazing things that you guys have done. So what would you say if you were, you know, if we have a lot of members listening to you, uh, to this, I'm sure, but what if you might have a lot of people who've just come across this podcast or a lot of people who are kind of sitting on the fence, what, you know, you've said a lot of good things, but what would your one good advice be for people who are kind of on the fence a little bit about joining and, yeah. I, I would say to anyone, if you're on the fence or thinking about it, the chances are you're probably drinking too much because you're thinking about it <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. I can go on here all day long and say, you're going to feel better, you're going to do this, you're going to achieve more. And I nearly missed the chance because I thought at 52, what is the point? I nearly missed that chance. Now, look, if you stop, you're not going to feel, you're not going to do great things tomorrow, you're not going to do great things next week, you've just got to trust the process, you're not going to do great things next month. But I'll tell you what, you'll look back in a fucking year and say, do you know what, look how far I've come. Because I mm. thought exactly the same after a couple of months, 90 days, the fog's lifted. You don't, you're not going to feel better tomorrow or next week, but you'll look back mm. in the future and say, look where I was. And it's just you was down this rabbit hole of, you know, you just got mm. to trust the process and go with what people say and follow the advice because it is so, so true. It doesn't serve anyone at all you're not your real you're not your authentic self you're someone else it's changing everything about you it really is wow thank you for that right so i've got one last question for you what do you have in mind now for your next big adventure i mean what what will be next for andy for your for adventure wise um we have talked about i mean we we talked about um with the little, with the small group of us who went to Killy, maybe doing Saint um, America Way. Um, we've talked about Hawaii because there is volcanoes there you can go up, and it oh, wouldn't yeah. be, be as hard. Because don't get me wrong, this was this was so hard, Killy. What we went through, I lost ten yeah. pound in eight days, which and I wasn't ill. The average weight loss was about ten pounds. I mean. Wow. Putting yourself through, people won't believe it's enjoyable when you tell them what you went through and, you know, having your oxygen done every morning, every night, and then on summit night, my oxygen saturation went down from 90 to 65. You can't go below 70, so I had to deep breathe, get my oxygen levels up before I could go. It was a real tough thing, and I don't think we'd like to tough it out as much. Well, some of us no. anyway, and do say maybe maybe Hawaii or somewhere. But personally, um, I've always had in my head Nepal, um, so mm. I'm already thinking next year Nepal. Basically, um, a 14 day tour, the Annapurna circuit, maybe maybe every space nice. camp. But you know, I'll put it out there to the members. There's already a couple of people making noises. They might come. So yeah, 
Yeah. It's one short trip wow. to life. Just grab it by the bowl yeah. and do it. Well, if you go to Hawaii, you need to let me know because that's um, Hawaii is on my bucket list for sure. <laughs> I haven't been to Hawaii. That sounds amazing. Andy, you keep on inspiring and we are so grateful for you. Keep on being you and um, just keep us posted. And I will probably check in with you after your next crazy adventure. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not Thank you so much for your time today. Um, and to you guys, members who are listening, this, this guy is, is incredible. So I've been very pleased to have him on our podcast today. So thank you, Andy. Um, to the rest of you, I'll see you guys back here on the next podcast. For now, thank you, Andy. Thank you. And I'll see you guys soon. Thank you. Bye now. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the One Year No Beer podcast, where our mission is to share and tell the stories of the everyday heroes who are taking the steps to make a meaningful impact by changing their relationship with alcohol. If you want to join our community and find out more about the variety of benefits that you can enjoy by becoming part of our 80,000 plus members within our alcohol-free movement, then click the link in the show notes below. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.